the guiding principle behind the Echo Guild is that your greatest superpower is that there's only one of you. That's your superpower. And what I wanted to impart with people, and a lot of times, as I mentioned in that article, all people need is permission. They just need somebody to go, yeah, go ahead, be yourself. You can do this. They need a little bit of an example. And then they go, oh, I can do that. I don't know what that is in human nature. You know, people need to do things that have been done before. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people to strike out on their own to try something new. I have a theory about that. It's, it's about, it's around failure. And so part of this course, my first course in the Echo Guild is called, it is called Creative Music Theory One, it's Foundations. And it teaches people creative music theory. And it also teaches people that failure is a great tool that they have to begin to use. Dear friends, it's Kurt Derdix and welcome back. If this is your first time listening, I am so glad you found us. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with my good friend, Joshua Grange, a studio and touring multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, producer, and audio engineer, originally from Los Angeles, now living in Nashville, Tennessee. As a musician, Joshua has toured and or recorded with an incredible list of luminaries from Beck, Cheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, James Taylor, The Chicks, Katie Lang, Dwight Yoakam, Lucinda Williams, among many others. And what's amazing is not only does he do it on pedal and lap steel guitar, which he's best known for, but he also plays electric, baritone, acoustic guitar, keyboards, mandolin, and bass. And he owns and operates the studio Resistor in Nashville, Tennessee, where he's an incredible producer and songwriter as well. In this episode, we're celebrating the launch of Joshua's new online music teaching site, TheEchoGuild.com. And Joshua has created a system that harnesses everyone's unique genius, and he meets folks where they are, from a beginner to advanced, and he offers a ton of value, including a free creativity pack that you got to check out, plus a music-making tool that he developed called the Codia that lets anyone create music, even if they don't know how to play an instrument. Great for the kids. And I've started the Foundations course to work on my ear training, and I'm super jazzed to work through the material. So please do let me know if you end up signing up so we can jam on some stuff together as well. And please do go to curtyd.com to subscribe to my newsletter and hear special content I'm creating, including possibly some new music by yours truly. So without further ado, on to today's show, here's Joshua Grange. But first, we're going to cut into him playing some incredible angelic pedal steel guitar from some of his coursework on the echoguild.com. Josh Grange, buddy, it's so good to see you, my friend. Hi, Curdy D. It's nice to see you too, buddy. It's been a long time. Has it been a long time? Feels like just yesterday since we were hanging out in sunny Southern California, surfing and all that stuff we used to do. We used to race muscle cars and all those models we were dating and oh, those were the days, my friend. You flatter me. That's funny. I think the last time we kind of reconnected a little bit is you, I think, did you stay at our house in Joshua Tree? Actually, I remember the last time you were giving that lecture at JPL on uh, rocket science, and that was a brilliant lecture, my friend, the way you tied physics together with the human spirit. That was a standing ovation. Yeah, actually, I stayed at your uh, beautiful place out there in Joshua Tree. That was really nice. Yeah, and you were one of the ones that kind of hit me to that whole area. Some work you were doing with Victoria Williams, Vicky Williams. Yeah, Victoria Williams. Yeah, well, I was actually named after Joshua Tree. It's where my yeah we used to go there when I was quite young. Since I grew up in Los Angeles, I grew up in Hollywood, so we would always be heading out to the desert. And before it was cool and before it was hip, you know, we used to go out there and 
stay at the Joshua Tree Inn. They had these big fat cats, like humongous cats that were hanging out outside. And that's the hotel where Graham Parsons died. Yeah, my house manager for the house uh, was also the, is now the manager at the Joshua Tree Inn. And they built a really cool little stage back there. So if we ever wanted to do a show, we could make that happen there. That would be fun. Look at that. All right. Well, it's really such a great honor and privilege to be able to spend some time with you on the Curdy D Show. You've been a, I mean, I've, I think we're going to talk about what you're up to, uh, many things that you do, but the Echo Guild is something that kind of saw it come online recently. And I was like, oh my gosh, it'd be a great sort of occasion to reconnect and celebrate Josh and talk about that and your incredible background. And you've been somebody that's just been a real inspiration to me as somebody that is uh, living their best life and sort of, and I think in like the parlance of like Carl Jung or the uh, some of the work in that vein around the, there's the right-handed path and the left-handed path. And the right-handed path is the go the flow. And I think in the take the blue pill, right? In the matrix. And then there's the red pill, which is the, the left-handed path to go against the grain and kind of forge onto your own. And you were somebody early in my kind of adult lights that I met 20 plus years ago that was an inspiration that, wow, you can really do your own thing. And I, I was even when I was prepping for this interview, I read something, an essay or something that you had written or some context about that. I don't know if it was on a blog or something when you were talking about how you would, in your early 20s, you know, kind of decided to go down this path with some resistance from people that were older than you that you really respected then they they cared for you and they didn't want you to be a poor musician and i guess you're having the last laugh so <laughs> or maybe they are you know that was an article i was asked to write by a website named tiny buddha and it was really interesting sitting down to write that because you talk about red pill and blue pill and the pills yummy pills but i look at these things as a leap of faith i look at them as a necessary extension of being a human being and having one life and taking chances and taking risks, you know. I mean, people talk about faith in all kinds of different ways, but I think the ultimate faith is in yourself, having a little bit of agency and trying things, see what could happen. And, you know, that article was written about, from my point of view of being a musician and everybody around me that cared about me who didn't want to see me end up in poverty or, you know, playing some gigs where when I'm 50, like I am right now. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to continue on my dream path, which was to play music and through a lot of hard work and dedication and practice and a lot of luck, I think, and good fortune, I've been able to keep it going, touring, you know, I've been a touring musician actually since the pandemic. The pandemic kind of derailed everything, which is an interesting topic we can get back to in a little bit. But, you know, the whole thing is, it is faith in yourself to just say, what do I owe myself? You know, what am I going to do? Look back on my deathbed and say, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that. That's got to be a, not a good feeling. But I did get a lot of feedback from people that said, well, you know, I had kids and then that changed things or I had to take care of my elderly parents, you know, that changed things too. And life throws a lot of things at you. But I still believe that there are these things inside that we do to keep fulfilled. And people talk about being happy, or you were saying the right path and the left path. People talk a lot about being happy, you know, but you know, what is happiness, right? That doesn't sound like life to me. I mean, I love being happy as much as the next person does. But if you're setting that as your goal, it seems like you're setting yourself up for failure. And when I tend to look at it through the lens of fulfillment, you know, being fulfilled, that seems to encapsulate the ups and downs and the heartbreak, you know. And I think in the article I mentioned about a puppy too, you know, have you ever had a pet, Curdy D? Yeah, we got, we were dog people, 100%. So what, did you just get a dog or something? Yeah. Okay. My wife has never not had a dog, and we've been together five years, and we've had three dogs. Okay, so you just got a dog. Guess what? Dog's going to die. Sorry. Is that a bummer? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our first dog together, Lizzie, died. We were gutted. Yeah. So, you know, but that's not going to stop you from getting a dog in the first place. 
Yeah, we went two weeks later and I got Luna and we got a new dog. That's insane. But that's okay. I'm just kidding. It's not. But you're not insane. Just slightly. But, you know, there are some people actually who don't get a dog because they don't want to have their heart broken. They approach facets of their life in the same way. Or, But uh, I think fulfillment, when you start looking at that, you can incorporate all bits of that into your life no matter what you're doing. For me, it happened to be music. And I think in recent years, I've learned to stop looking at it just in terms of music and more as art. And whatever that means, art and being an artist. And for me, it's just been important to incorporate art into my life, whatever that is for me. If it's building a fence or tending to a garden, you know. I picked up pottery in the last few years. That has been an incredible teacher. You ever try pottery? I have. I did a school. I had a crush on a girl in college, and we did a pottery class together. So I go hang out with her. It worked out pretty good. What do you think the number when I, I saw? You still have what? I still have the bowl that we made. Nice. It's the bowl. It still has all the tears after she broke your heart. Salty tears. Those salty tears are great on chocolate chip cookies too, let me tell you. But hey, what do you think the number one thing is when I tell people I do pottery? What do you think the number one thing is they say to me? They probably reference that Patrick Swayze movie. That's exactly what they do. I can't even remember what the movie is. It's called Ghost. Oh, yeah, there we go. It's called Ghost, and the pottery classes I went to, there was a sign that said no ghosting with a picture of them, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. But, you know, like, pottery is kind of interesting. I don't know if, you know, people should try it because I played music my entire life, and I, you know, was capable at doing music. I've been playing guitar since I was 11 years old, right? So after 40 years of playing guitar, you get pretty good at something, and you get used to being good at something. And when you switch gears and you start as sucking at something like really bad. I think the earliest things I made, they were really ugly. They looked like ugly doorstops. I don't even know what they were, but you know what? They were fun. It was fun. It was just fun to make. Or non-functional weed pipes. <laughs> I mean, you can pretty much make anything work, my friend. But yeah, it was a trip to be motivated just by the, you know, sensate, tactile world of Getting back to what it feels like to be a kid again, just to explore things, you know, for the love of it without that internal critic, you know, judging you. So yeah, it's been, the pottery has been a really good thing and it's, it's helped my art, helped my music, helped every facet of things. This is really one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show and celebrate you because you had a really big impact on my journey as a musician. And I wanted to do my little part to see if we could inspire, you know, more folks to go on that journey because the inspiration you gave me was around using music and you can insert anything, pottery, cooking, gardening as a meditation, as a practice to just get grounded and just be in the moment and whatever that technique that you're trying to develop and that really, really helped me. And it was in the context of me trying to learn how to play steel guitar, which I still have not get my hands and feet around, all the pun intended. The What it did do is it actually put me on a journey to start playing piano because I realized, oh, you know what? From a first principles point of view, if I really want to get better at steel guitar, I should probably learn like chord harmony and like all those sort of things. And then, you know, and then that actually got me much better on the guitar, like traditional six string guitar. And and I think there will be a time, hopefully in my life, I'm, I'm sure there will, when I actually can spend some proper time to get the steel guitar happening. But that was a real gift that you gave me was to just be okay with slowing down and being okay with just playing one note. Yeah, sure. Because that can feel good. Well, pedal steel is kind of funny because it takes a little bit of coordination when you're starting so like you can watch people playing it and it looks pretty easy or fluid and then you sit down to do it and it's like somebody just sat you down in front of an alien spaceship you know with buttons labeled in some foreign language and it's just can be a little overwhelming but if you just take things really slow again getting back to that concept you know just starting out real simple childlike you find like i mean you, you tell me but when I sit down at a pedal seal, I get into that flow state like immediately. I am just so focused and it's a lot like meditation. You know, it feels like five minutes have gone by, but you know, it's been 45 minutes. It's crazy how that can happen. 
sometimes sitting at that particular instrument. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had firsthand experience watching you play and it is like transcendent kind of angels from on high kind of coming down. It's a, you have a real gift. And it, I think the, you know, I think that's why you're probably objectively one of the top steel guitar players in the world. I mean, you play for some of the biggest names in the business. So we can embarrass you about some of that stuff a little bit later, because I would love to chat with you about some of that experience, but I would love to give the audience an opportunity to learn about the Echo Guild and what you're like, what you're offering and sort of what the inspiration, kind of the why behind it, and then also the framework and your kind of process for how you're delivering the uh, the training. Sure. You know, I've been a teacher. Well, let me start by saying I've been a student and a happy student, a voracious student, you know, since I've been a child. And I had the very good fortune when I was 11 years old to have a guitar teacher. Since I grew up in Hollywood, you know, this my teacher, he went to school at GIT, which was a great guitar college in Hollywood. And my mom put a flyer up saying, hey, if anybody wants to give lessons. So I was 11, my brother was eight, and we had these teachers. They were incredible. They taught me ear training, which means at a very young age, I could listen to music and see music as if I was looking at a diagram or a map. And that's what he was showing me. In addition to playing guitar and all the fun stuff it's like to do, you know, and Van Halen was huge at that point. So, But the ear training side of it, the f- music theory... The what I call it is uh, it's like having x-ray glasses for your ears. You know, that's what that is. And that changed the entire course of my life, because what I found was I could sit down in any musical situation and know what was going on. I could just find my way. I could find the key and then I could start playing along. And people thought I knew their material. You know, this happened with Victoria Williams. My first gig with her, I was supposed to just play one or two songs But she kept me up on stage, and because of this ear training, this music theory knowledge I got when I was very young, I stayed with her the entire concert. She thought I had learned all of her songs after the gig. You know, after the gig, she was like, oh my gosh, I I can't believe you learned all my music. That's just so great. And then, you know, through that experience, she asked me to go on tour with her, and that's, you know, that began a, you know, 25 years of touring for me. Yeah. Well, real quick, for context, for the audience, ear training is powerful. So like when you hear something, like some music and it's happy, it's in a major chord or a major sort of key, you hear music and it's sad, that would be in a minor. And there's actual chord theory around that. And there's all these different like versions of happy, like, you know, contented, cheerful, cheery, joyful, jolly, smiling, delighted. These are all different sort of like ways you can play happy and uh, what Josh is describing is he learned how to do that as a kid, which is incredible. It's a tool. These are all tools in your toolbox. And part of the process of the Echo Guild for me was to start a hub and a home for creative music instruction and creative music instruction that teaches people how to make their own music. So, for instance, you're talking about the concept of when something sounds happy, it's major. And that's by and large true. Well, I noticed for me that sometimes the sad chords actually made me the most content that, you know, so what I started learning was that everybody has their own spin on that. And I, if you look deeper into music instruction, you find that it's usually really quite the same things and it's just presenting information, but I was not content with that. And I wanted to start something where people could discover their own creativity right from the beginning. When you start teaching people how to be creative, there aren't these preconceived notions of language and around music in quite the same way. It allows people to explore and adopt their own personalities while learning the language of music. They can just put it together any way that they want to. And the guiding principle behind the Echo Guild is that your greatest superpower is that there's only one of you. That's your superpower. And what I wanted to impart with people, and a lot of times, as I mentioned in that article, all people need is permission. They just need somebody to go, yeah, go ahead, 
be yourself. You can do this. They need a little bit of an example. And then they go, oh, I can do that. I don't know what that is in human nature. You know, people need to do things that have been done before. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people to strike out on their own to try something new. I have a theory about that. It's, it's about, it's around failure. And so part of this course, my first course in the Echo Guild is called, it is called Creative Music Theory One. It's Foundations. And it teaches people creative music theory. And it also teaches people that failure is a great tool that they have to begin to use. You have to embrace failure. Learning is a series of failures. And there are a lot of stigma around in our modern day society around failures. And I touch on that a lot throughout this course, my first course in there. People would rather be conventionally wrong than unconventionally right. Yeah, I love that. Totally. Well, also, maybe along a similar insight is that what I found is that people aren't really afraid of failing so much as they are afraid of being a failure. And once you realize that failing doesn't mean that you're a failure, it gives people the license to act a little bit more broadly, where they have more chances to become unconventionally right. And in fact... A lot of the artists that I've ever, the great artists that I've played with, the great artists that I've worked with and seen and been around, the concept of failure to them isn't the same as it is for most people. There is no concept of failure to them. Failure is just this little tiny ledge that they step over with ease, and then they continue on their path of creativity until they find something that works. But for a lot of people, they come across these walls of failure and they seem insurmountable. They turn back, which is really sad because you just need a little encouragement to just walk right over that little tiny wall. So the Echo Guild, I founded just to give a home for creativity in music and to encourage people to have fun, to try things, and to learn how to speak the language of music, which is not impossible. But for a lot of people, they think it is impossible. It's not. Yeah. And then you have the pandemic got a lot of people buying guitars and wanting to play music. And I think a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of friends of mine that want me to come give them guitar lessons and I'll try to help. I give them a little context about caged. The cage system is a wonderful way to connect the guitar fingerboard together. Yes. Yeah. The five fundamental chords of the guitar, C-A-G-E-D, that unlock the geometry of the guitar. There's an interesting article today in the New York Times by Temple Grandin, who is talking about the concept of the visual learner and the visual mind, and it seems to present itself prevalently in autism. And so people that, and a lot of our learning modes are presented in terms of language, which is quite difficult for autistic people sometimes. So in the cage system on guitar, like a lot of guitar, you can boil it down to shapes. And I find that people, probably through our programming for evolution, because when we learn to identify shapes and patterns, it helps our survival you know, greatly to be able to do that. It gives our brains a lot of shortcuts. We don't have to relearn things all the time. We know what the shape is. We know the outline of a tiger. you know. But with guitar, I found for me personally in my professional life that these shapes have allowed me to be able to improvise, to learn the guitar. They've been a really handy way to store that knowledge in my brain and then be able to recall it when I need to in, in situations. It's something I use every single day when I'm in the studio. I mean, you use it constantly. So it is pretty interesting. I love that. So the framework is, is there something that you're bringing to the party that you feel is sort of novel or different? Yeah. Well, my career has been a practical one, and I have consumed a lot of information and methods, and I've been able to retain the things that work and the things that I found have been useful in practical situations. You know, when you're working with, uh, let's say, a songwriter, or if you're writing a song yourself, what are some practical methods that actually work to create music, to make music? You know, if somebody just wants to sit down at a piano, and invent their own music, which I think is one of the most fulfilling things you can do as a musician. I mean, most people are taught how to copy. They're taught how to play this song or that song. But 
just as easy you can teach people to make their own music. And I found methods and collected them throughout you know these years because they've I've seen what works. So that's something that I think I bring as a professional musician that uses these tools all the time. You know, I mean, like the word tool is even great. You ever tried baking? I mean, if you've tried baking, and I got <laughs> really into sourdough over the pandemic, me and my buddy actually, he's a, one of the top session musicians in Nashville. And the way that he gets really good, I mean, he's a top mandolin player, but now he's a top bass player. And his method, his name's Lex Price, by the way, amazing human being. But he is very analytical, and he'll take things and see what works. And when you're baking, guess what? There are thousands of tools out there. Get this. This is going to help your bread. Get this. This is going to help your baking. This implement and this thing. And you try them, and you go, God, you know, I just wasted 50 bucks on this thing. You know, I didn't need this. You know what works better? What works better is a chopstick, right? So in music, it's the same thing. I've tried, me and my friends, we've tried so many different things over the years that we have seen what works in practical situations. You know, when you're auditioning for bands or artists, when you're in the studio, when you're on the road, you know, in uh, studio musician situations, when you're with an artist trying to write music, you know, when you're with some of the legendary artists in the world and you're, you know, the cameras are about to start rolling on some huge award thing, you know, <laughs> and you want to just start crying and go, you know, sit in the fecal position under the drum set, <laughs> fecal position. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's this lifetime of experience, seeing the things that work and the places we can put our precious energy and our precious time to get the most amount of results. That's the difference between going on the internet, searching for something hoping you get some good result, or having some mentor that has the experience, you know, who puts their hand on your shoulder and says, put your hands here, do this. I mean, that it's just a universe of difference. Yeah, well, I referenced the right-handed path and left-handed path earlier. That was also a riff on Joseph Campbell, who I'm sure you're probably schooling on him. And the whole entire idea about having a mentor is so key and you know, the pattern of the Obi-Wan Kenobi for Luke Skywalker is probably more important now than ever when you have a sea of signal and, and internet is amazing and Google's amazing. It's like you just get overwhelmed when all the signal just becomes noise. So where do you go? So I think having said that, what is there a kind of a typical person that this would be best for? Like how... Can it be for somebody that's never, ever uh, played in their brand new beginner? Or is it somebody intermediate or both or advanced? Where would you say the spectrum is? There? It is a very wide spectrum because I started when I was, because I was a beginner and I know what a beginner needs. And then I was an intermediate. And I know the things that when I was an intermediate, the things that helped propel me to a more advanced status now that I'm in an advanced status, I see the ways that I can continue to grow from that. And it's been very important for me to be able to, as a music producer, one of my most valuable skills is to be able to listen to a song that I've heard a thousand times because we're making this record and approach it as if it's the first time I'm hearing it. That is a very valuable skill. In fact, if you can approach a relationship that way, that is a key to a incredible relationship. But when I'm listening to these songs, I could listen to them and go, oh, wow, we do not need this second chorus, you know, this second time around. That's too much or this section's too long. And with my music instruction site, I can remember what it's like to be a beginner. You don't want to be overwhelmed with too much stuff. You know, this is not how a beginner's mind really works. You take one piece of information and you look, start looking at it from all angles and you examine it, you know, this is the curious mind. But boy, so many people, they forget what it's like to be at all these different stages, you know, and that's, I think, a real hidden mystery of anything, any author, you know, to be able to inhabit minds of people. That's why I think the Enneagram, I don't know if you ever got into the Enneagram at all, but the Enneagram is really cool because it kind of allows you to imagine what it might be like to be another person. And the insight you get from that is so incredibly valuable. So 
a shorter answer to your question is it's for all ability levels. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's awesome. And I'm looking at the site now, the echoguild.com, you can mess around with the Cordia. It's a virtual instrument. You can create music, even if you don't know how to play an instrument, which sounds like a lot of fun. You have the reflector deck looking for artists inside, inspiration and new ideas. You can grab this incredible collection of videos featuring the masters of the arts. And I'm sure it's very fun and well curated because that's the kind of guy you are. And then the main buff, the main course, the course, master the fundamentals of music theory, write and improvise your own music. Get the pack today. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks. That's a free creativity pack that's on the uh, website for anybody to download. And I created an, a virtual instrument called the Cordia, where anybody can create their own music. It has a built-in drum machine, and uh, it's a very simple and elegant interface that actually draws on the concepts of what I teach in the course. But uh, I have heard from so many people who say that they've just got lost in that instrument for hours making beats and their own music and creating songs and somebody's writing a, a whole uh, album around it right now which has been cool my friend reached out to me who's a great singer and said she takes it in the bathtub with her and that's how she uh, relaxes on her ipad in the bathtub play <laughs> so funny kind of on-ramp for kids too right i would imagine i haven't seen it yet i have several of my friends who've sent me videos of their kids playing it and they've been astonished at just how sounds how it sounds like music and that's because one of the main concepts i teach in this course is the concept of diatonic harmony which is basically a musical family of chords are you familiar with diatonic harmony i would imagine yeah, i am yeah it's the root the major two then you have the major minor and then that way yeah diatonic very close versus harmonic or melodic harmony right is that curdy d i've got a great course for you to check out all right <laughs> I need to sharpen my pencil here. Curdy D, I got a great discount for you, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's my next question is, what is the framework for the underpinning or the principle of it? Is there sort of a, a North Star that's guiding and then this diatonic harmony bit part of it? Or I hear a metaphor of family. I think that's, is that part of it? Yeah, I would say that the whole framework that I built not just this course on, but the other courses that I offer is practicality. It's just around what works. And it's different for everybody. You know, some people, they are, really respond to a theory framework. They want to know, hey, when you have a major scale, the distances between notes, whether it's a C major or an F major or a G major, all those things are exactly the same. Whole step, whole step, half step, whole step, whole step, whole step, half step. When you look at and they respond to these kind of pseudo visual kind of you know structures there are some people that are way more motivated by just the sound of the chords just the colors that they evoke you know that they can ascribe their own colors to it and i find that if you just have to pick one framework it's not very flexible but music is so broad and so universal that you have to find a more flexible framework for it that works with the underlying aspect being creativity. So to answer your question simply, it would be creativity. This is based on creativity. Whether you respond to a more academic approach through music theory, which is fascinating. When you look at these shapes, they almost look like crystals or geometric patterns that you can overlay on things. I mean, it's all beautiful and that it you know music comes from nature so we have all these natural shapes you know that you find in nature but maybe you're somebody that responds like i said to just the pure emotional content in music well there's ways to be creative with that too what i've found that is really detrimental to the creative process is when somebody says this way is not as good and I found that that's just the quickest way to quash somebody's, you know, buzz, man, is just to say like, oh, that, you know, you're doing it wrong. Like, well, no, what do you want? You know, what is your goal? Is your goal to make music? Well, great. Drop, you know, throw your cat on the piano. There you go. Maybe that's your signature thing. Maybe that's what you enjoy. That's great. You know, <laughs> I mean, give a baby a harmonica and push it down a flight of steps and, you know, record that. 
you know, a Kurdy D's new album, Piano Cats, Kermit <laughs> Live. <laughs> I would want to hear that. I mean, have you ever heard of a group called the Shags? Do you know the Shags? No, I have not heard of the Shags. So the Shags is a group from, I think, early 70s or late 60s. There are these three sisters, and they didn't really have any musical training, but they got instruments, I think, from their folks, and they pretty much wrote songs. And when you listen to their record, The Philosophy of the World, I think, is what it's called. I can't remember offhand. They have a great song called My Pal Foot Foot about their cat. When you listen to their songs, it sounds pretty strange. It sounds a little unworldly. It's music. You ever watch the movie The Fly? You know The Fly? Remember The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, it's been a long time. Okay, so there's a scene in The Fly where they teleport a steak, okay? A piece of steak, ribeye or something teleport of ribeye from one of those pods to the next they cook it up along with a regular steak that hasn't been teleported when they eat the teleported steak it looks the same but they taste it and they go this is a little funny this tastes a little strange it's the same thing with the shags music it's music but it's something a little bit funny about it but that is their expression and i think it's amazing when i hear it i just celebrate it well, I think that's a great example of the uh, answer to your question around the framework. I'm reading on your site. It's, I, you know, from your words, you started the Echo Guild to help people unlock their creative and artistic potential by using their greatest asset, their individuality. Amen. And that's a real uh, theme of the show, too, is this, and this gets back to the red pill and the blue pill and the, the hero's journey and the, the whole trip of life. And that is our greatest asset, that we are... Uh, non-fungible there's nobody like Curdy d and there's nobody like josh grange and there's nobody like you that's correct that's what i tell people there's only one of you and there will only ever be one of you and you know what a shame if we don't make the most of that sadly though the currency of our you know current society is you know your worth is how much money you can generate and i find that a lot of with pop culture unfortunately which I think is also, again, tied into our human survival, you know, mindset. And, and which is we need to belong to things. And, uh, you know, like you said, innovation is how you start. You know, that's how a lot of these people started, how started their following, started their audiences by being different and being unique. Well, I think in more than ever, I mean, even with this whole thing that's come out in the last over the holidays, 2022 and a 2023 new year with the open AI and the chat GPT. I mean, I was even fussing around with it to help me like do some songwriting and stuff. And I think it's a whole trip where living, we, in the last, whatever, hundred years we've transitioned. I mean, this gets into a whole philosophical thing about Descartes and I think therefore I am. And, you know, it's very rational and industrial age and blah, blah, blah. But here we are, like, I think, you know, with the dawn of AI and automation, I think it's going to be a bigger risk to not take risks and a bigger risk to be sort of homogenous and just like everybody else. And I actually hired a songwriting coach, my friend Nicola Bedingfield, uh, Natasha Bedingfield's little sister, who's incredible. And she's been helping me think through songwriting. And I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. One of the main reasons is I want to learn the best communicator I can be. And song form is such a fundamental human communication form that I feel like it would be really advantageous to me as a business person, entrepreneur, go-to-market guy that does a lot of sales and marketing. Go learn like that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, I happen to play music, so that helps. Like, and like the last uh, your episode thirty-nine, Josh, episode thirty-eight, Jake Hutt is a new friend of mine that married his passion for golf and music. And now he's this like Instagram guy that's blowing up, making these custom golf songs. That's like these like really like, earwormy like golf tips that he into a song. And so, and he his insight was like, yeah, like there's so much you have to learn with golf. So he tries to break it down to one insight and build a song around that, so that it becomes an earworm for the audience and his fan base to like really get that one idea. And it's so powerful. So I applaud you for what you're doing. And I, I think post and you know, pandemic, so many people try to learn guitar. I know guitar centers sales were through the roof. Everybody bought a guitar. So I think this is probably pretty timely to for those that want to stick with it to have another framework 
you've been looking, I'm going to definitely sign up because I, the thing, my weakness is my ear training for sure. Like just hearing, you know, I mean, I like did some piano study with our mutual friend, Aaron Embry, who's going to come on the show. And he helped me to even little things like, you know, this minor or major six, there's another way to like help have a major minor kind of harmony in a song. And and that's the sixth note for some reason is an, a note that my ear is able to hear. I'm able to hear the seventh and the third, but there's other notes that I'm not quite ready, able to hear yet. So I'm really excited to be able to sharpen my pencil with some of this. So thank you for in advance for that. Sure. I love that relationship between the third and the sixth too. That's a really interesting one. Are you familiar? Tell me. So if you're going to harmonize the note C, let's say in a C major scale, let's just go really basic. So let's go E, right. So C and E. So that's great. C and E. What's the distance between C and E? It is one and a half steps, right? Well, let's talk in practical matters. That's great. One and a half steps. But when we're making music, you know, what is E? Major third. Right. It's the third. It's a major third because it's a C major scale. We call it the third, the major third. Exactly. Okay, good. Then the, so the sixth we have the C is A, which is another major third above. Right? Well, here we go. So check this out. So we have C and E. Those are your two notes. Yeah. And E is a major third, C and E. So now, so we have two notes, C and E. Now, what if we just take that C and move it up an octave? Now we have E and C. It's the same two notes, E and C. But now the C is above the E. Now the C is six below the E, right? Well, that interval is six is what it is. It's an interval. It's a minor sixth. It just changes major to minor. But the whole thing is the same two notes, but it's a third or it's a sixth. Same two notes, but they sound different. Yes. Okay. I did know that. I forgot it. Thanks well, I'm glad I reminded you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you want to know, Kurt? Tell me right now some ear training. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Here's what I want to know. I want to know why. Here's what I'm going to say. Anybody that's out there that wants to dig in, I recommend you guys go check out the echoguild.com, sign up, play with the free tools and dig in and uh, let Josh know how it's going and all that. Yeah. And I'm creating new courses all the time on melody writing, how to write better melodies, an advanced theory course. There are, there's a pedal steel instruction as well as guitar instruction. And then I have people that I work with, for instance, who are studio musicians. There's going to be how to be a more effective studio musician. There's going to be piano courses for people that want to be able to play guitar or maybe already playing piano or other instruments. So there's going to be a lot more offerings that are in the works right now. Yeah. And Josh plays guitar, pedal steel, keyboards, and bass. And this is where I get to embarrass him. And this is where I get to flex on how effing amazing my friends are. But he's played live Katie Lang on tours. Toured with Katie Lang, Sheryl Crow, Dixie Chicks, Dwight Yoakam, Victoria Williams, Lionel Richie all night long. Robert Randolph, who I've seen live at Blues in LA studio. He's played for Beck. Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. Connor Oberst, who is a G songwriter. What was his band called? It was um, Blanking Out. Oh my God. I loved his band. Their most emo band, Connor Oberst, Bright Eyes, the Jayhawks, and more. And he lied. He's played with Willie Nelson, Neil Young, James Taylor, Joe Walsh from not only the Eagles, but the James Gang, Evie Nicks, Emmy Lou Harris, of whose album, The Wrecking Ball with Daniel Lanois, is one of my favorite albums of all time. So that is quite, and I'm sure there's many more. These are just the highlights. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's a. Interesting collection of people, and it's been a lot of fun, a lot of good times, a lot of challenges, a lot of highs and lows, and mostly just a lot of gratitude and a lot of, what am I doing? (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Not to embarrass you further, Josh, but to celebrate you, I, you know, I'm kind of being around the music business a little bit, like, I know there's this idea of quote unquote, the hang, and there's like, you know, if you had like... Somebody who's a better hang, but maybe not the best player versus somebody who's a better player, but not the best hang. person that's the better hang is going to get the gig by and large because it's about cohesion. It's about the vibe and the team. And uh, 
I'm a good hang and a terrible player is actually my secret. So I can't believe you just divulged that. But I actually do a touch about that. On the site, I have an article section and I do have a studio checklist, studio musicians checklist that actually touches on the idea about uh, the hang and how important that is, your interpersonal and social skills. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically just be cool. Don't talk too much. Don't be a dick. Oh, there you go. And I've had to work on both of those so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a fucking podcast. He's talking all the time. Yeah, and humor also is another one of those things where it's just, I have been blown away how many times I've seen tense situations diffused by just a simple joke or a gesture or a phrase. I mean, that is just magic whenever that happens. And I just love it. You know, humor, we can't get through this life without it. Some people try, but you know. Yeah. Well, I just try to make fun of myself and everything seems to work out. Well, let's, let's do this. A little bit of a couple other things. Um, and then we'll kind of, I know we're being, uh, I want to be mindful of time because you're, uh, I don't want to be greedy, but Let's see, you know, what kind of a fun story. I don't know if you remember this, but you invited me to the cinema bar probably 2002. It was 2020 years ago. I'm like 20 years ago. And I think you were playing with Randy Weeks. I mean, I think and Tony Gilkinson, I think, would play. And there's some other guys I can't remember. Tony Gilkinson, Mike Stinson, Danny Magoo. Yeah. And I remember I had uh, signed out of my, you know, night I'm done, you know. I already paid my tab. There was one, you guys, and the guys played Sunday. It's such a great another like song. I had to go back and I was just sitting there drinking my last, and I put my drink down. And all of a sudden, the waitress comes up and like gives me a, a drink. And I was like, hey, I already paid for this. And she said, oh, it's from those girls over there. I was like, all right. Hey. And uh, it was Jennifer Chiba who sent me the drink. Oh, yeah. Jen Chiba. Yeah. And we made friends. And uh, that was a really fun season. It was such a wild kind of like serendipity. You know, I've sort of lost touch with her, but like that was a wild connection because, you know, she had been uh, Rivers Cuomo's girlfriend and uh, the inspiration for that song, El Scorcho, on Pinkerton, which was of those half Japanese girls. Yeah. And then she dated Elliot Smith. And I had been to that house where he died, the basement on the hill. And I got to meet Elliot a couple times hanging out with her. Including they came to my 27th birthday at the Derby. Oh, yeah, the Derby. Yeah. And um, so I indirectly have you to thank for getting me connected to Jen and uh, ultimately getting to meet. It was all you, my friend, your animal magnetism, the stuff of legends. It's all true, folks. Everything you've heard. Yeah. And then Aaron Embry, we met independently of you, but I went to high school with him. Yeah, he's become a really dear friend, and I can't wait to have him on the show. I actually met you through Todd Hannigan. Yes, Todd. Todd Hannigan. He's great. I, I love Todd. I still keep in touch with him. He just has a new album that just came out. Yeah, I listened to that record. It just came out. I really liked it. And uh, or let's see, what's the album called? We'll tell everybody to go check it out. Todd Hannigan, Hannigan's Caldwell County. That's what it is, Caldwell yeah. County. It's a great album cover, too. He's halfway in the water. There's a reflection. It's it's really cool. Yeah, Todd is one of those interesting... Todd Hannigan, he's one of those interesting people. I don't know if you've ever met them before, but they're good at everything. Like, he was a semi-wicked surfer. Yeah, he's just... Great musician. Yeah. I know a couple people like that, and it's a really interesting skill that they have where they can internalize skill. They can look at the different mechanics of a skill and break it down really effectively. It's pretty awesome. I know a few people like that. They're freaks. Yeah. I, you played on an album or a demo of his, and I had moved to Nashville right after college in 2000, and I had Todd's. I was playing it, and it was your stuff, and it was so cool. Then I think in 2002, I think I remember... I don't know if hiring you is the right word, but maybe cajoled you or pressured you to uh, <laughs> do some work with us with a band I was managing, the Pawn Shop Kings. Yeah, Noah Lambert. Yeah. Well, then no, Noah was separate, and the Pawn Shop Kings were... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you mean Joel and Scott. Joel Owen. Yeah, Joel and Scott. Brothers. Joel and Scott, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, not to... Yeah, and that's great. You work with Noah's amazing. He also, I think he did some stuff 
with uh, Tristan Prettyman, and I think we did some early demos with her at the. Yeah, actually, Todd Hannigan introduced me to Tristan Prettyman when she was quite young, and so she and I have kept in touch all these years. She's wonderful, really great person. Joel and Scott, also lovely people. Yeah, good. You know a lot of nice people. I hope you're happy. No hurt. (laughs) You got a couple more minutes to ask to kind of wrap it up, or you got a jet? Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. So switching gears and kind of turning the page here on the show, Josh, my audience is aware, and this is one of the things they love about, they tell me anyways that they love about the show, is this question around humanizing success. And uh, <laughs> I think you know some of the challenges I've overcome, like my hearing and stuff like that. And uh, I definitely believe the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the possibility for breakthroughs. And having said that, what's a challenge personally or professionally that you had to face and you overcame, you're comfortable sharing, had to get over the hurdle and what gift did that pain give you? Well, I mean, we can't walk through life without picking up some bruises here and there. You know, it's just been so constant, honestly, following a path that is basically very little security. You're constantly dealing with You know, what ifs and being judged by a world at large that basically doesn't value anything that you do, which might sound strange because isn't there value in following your dream or doing something that's really fulfilling and meaningful to you? But uh, the stark reality is that that is really not the case. You know, there's no 401k for doing certain things. You know, you don't fit into the system. You know, there's not really a lot of. W2, although I was going to say W2s, but for a lot of the artists I've worked with, you know, there is W2s, you know, you are on the map. But for so much of it, that's not the case. And it's pretty lonely road. And it's full of constant disappointments. And I'm really soul crushing, you know, bitter disappointments about things that you might want that don't materialize, constantly being pushed up against the limits of your capabilities is really uncomfortable for certain people. And I, throughout the years, there have just been things I've wanted that might have changed the course of my life that didn't materialize, didn't happen. And it's almost like getting your heart broken, if you know, as we've all had our hearts broken. And When we examine those things, I think, closer, we find that it's really not about anything except ourselves. You know, somebody or something isn't breaking our hearts. It's us. You know, this is all about us and our relationship to pain, to grief, to suffering, to adventure, to life, to the universe. And one of the important things for me has been going to a therapist, honestly, and having a forum to talk about certain things, certain patterns that otherwise remain hidden. And I'll tell you something, if you've been around enough people, you will have experienced people that surround themselves with yes people. And gosh, how toxic is that for growth? But for them, it's important to be around yes people. This is what they need to feel good about themselves. And for maybe people with less means, you know, that don't have people they can just put on their payroll to say yes to them all the time. We can become our own yes people, and it's no less damaging, you know, no less damaging to us. So as soon as we, you know, when you have good friends that say, man, you are full of shit right now. Great. Those are the people you want to keep around you, that you want to bring with you throughout your life and to make sure we have those checks and balances. But uh, there are even some, some things inside of us in our history that go deeper and are more insidious and hidden, these patterns. And I found that to be just one of the best things I could have possibly have done was to go find somebody that can help me look at these things, ask questions. And I, you know what? Honestly, I find it's a lot like teaching. Students, you tell them something, but when you lead somebody to an answer and they discover it, it's magic. I mean, that's gold. But really wise people, they can cultivate those experiences for other people, you know. And another thing, I mean, mushrooms are amazing. Psilocybin, I encourage everybody, as long as you maybe you don't have a history of, you know, schizophrenia or other, you know, mental imbalances, chemical imbalances, I should say, 
mushrooms are incredible. They're an incredible way to get to know yourself. I highly recommend them. You know, that has been, that just brings up some of the most difficult things in your life. You know, these, it's right in your face, you know, your biggest fears and insecurities. And then the way that by confronting it, it changes the whole nature of it. It expands your, the universe and your capacity to love and to hurt and all those kinds of things. Listening to music is incredible on mushrooms. Recommend that so much. Inviting. But yeah, I mean, in the professional life, you know, in my professional life, you have to do things all the time where you're thrown on the spot. You have one chance to do something in front of millions of people. You know, the, it can be paralyzing sometimes. Maybe your body doesn't, res, you know, let you respond the way you want it to. Maybe you're shaking or your breathing becomes all funky. I don't know how a lot of those professional athletes do it, you know, on like Olympic medals, but it's exactly like that. And so I don't know if people put themselves in enough situations where they're confronting the limits of their capabilities. I can give you one cool example. One of my private students was a uh, woman who was completely, she had paralyzing stage fright to the point where she couldn't speak in front of groups of people and much less play music in front of them. But just through working with her, she's been more comfortable to be able to do that and to play and to see that happening and that transformation. You realize like, oh gosh, what has been holding me back? What have I really been afraid of? So just confronting these fears, I think has been the best thing for me professionally to say yes when I wasn't ready, to put myself in a situation where I said, yeah, I know how to play pedal steel. And guess what? I didn't. But I would set it up on stage every night, and that's how I would learn how to play, which is a true story with Victoria Williams when she asked me if I played pedal steel. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I was I could play a couple chords, but, you know, that's how I learned. But I do think that putting yourself on the edge, the limits of your capabilities, learning to do that, and starting to enjoy it and realize that's where the good stuff comes out. You know, that's been, I think, one of the single greatest teachers that I've had. I love that. I So much of your response there is resonant with me. I've had incredible experiences with therapists. I remember the first time I went to a, like really took it on and I wrote down a list of all the things I didn't like about myself or that I was unhappy with in life. And I remember shaking when I was reading it. And I just was like, once I got through it, I just felt like, I plunged through the cold pool and I was like, oh, I felt more alive than ever. And it was, and I've had incredible experiences with mushrooms and some pivotal career things have happened from that. And I do agree. Like having friends that will tell you where you're full of shit and you're, you know, they have your best interests in mind that you'll actually listen to them is uh, profound and to have your people there. But the thing that I loved about your answers so much the most was that really trying to see what your limits are. Like I recently in the last 10 years, somewhat recently started surfing bigger waves and kind of getting really, you know, over my uh, limit. And I remember surfing North Shore Hawaii and, you know, catching this like double overhead wave and like getting all the way to the beach and just yelling like fist in the air. So pumped when I got all the way in the same breath. Also that same trip being like kissing the sand when I kind of got it back because I thought I was going to die you know, all bloody and everything. And uh, it's like, whoa, like, you know, that's living. It is. We owe it to ourselves to try some of those things. Yeah. And I, I mean, I are there any examples of like a show that you played? Like, I don't know, like where you were just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so scared. And like that you went through and you just you had an incredible. So many. Once one so of many of those things. I remember one show. It was playing with Katie Lang, and it was at the Junos, and she was getting some sort of lifetime achievement thing. and Big thing in Canada. That's like our Grammy Awards in the States. The Juno Awards is the Canadian Grammys, exactly. And we had a live thing going out to the whole friggin' country, and, you know, of course, there's a pedal steel solo on the song, and I'm playing pedal steel, and none of my gear arrived. It was... Everything got delayed on the plane. I was using some equipment it wasn't mine and pedal steel is like pretty specific you know and like there wasn't even a bar a pedal steel bar i had to use a uh, socket from a socket wrench i had to go look through the stuff man it was pretty hectic and i was not it's a song that her guitar player joe pasapia wrote which was like a bunch of jazz chords and stuff it was you know just 
wasn't just like you're playing a uh, helpless or something, you know. And man, I was freaking nervous. I just was like, my body was going crazy. And I realized that all the training throughout all the years, if I just relaxed and let some of that muscle memory kick in, I wouldn't say that I enjoyed myself that night, but the whole experience left this indelible mark to just say, even at your worst, there is some redemptive qualities about that. And uh, I've never wanted to listen through to the show, but I did once afterwards and it was completely fine. But there was a certain elation and a certain rush came afterwards to just realize that even if you just let go, you know, and stop fighting and let go of that, the idea of control, I couldn't control that my equipment wouldn't, you know, show up. There's just so many things that were beyond it. That was one one example of just that so difficult. You also punching through and really being a professional. Yeah, professional. That's a funny word. Yeah. But it is. That's a pro thing, right? So I agree. I remember some of my first experiences with real professional musicians, and they were just like gods to me. I mean, I was not standing among humans. It was such a strange and otherworldly, out-of-body experience to see these, you know, people that could conjure this sort of thing in their presence, you know. And, and I think the whole thing behind that is experience. You know, when people get experience... This is what ends up happening. You can take these horrible things, unexpected things, but because you have experience, you can say, okay, I can deal with this. I can do that. You know, if you've lost family members or parents, so, you know, you have a kid and, uh, you know, they fall and they break their teeth and there's blood everywhere, you know, you get experiences and you go, okay, I can do this. I can snap into this. In a lot of ways, maybe you're right. There is a professional aspect to that, which just means that there's been enough dedication and experience. Yeah, and then the pro shows up when they don't feel like it, and including practicing, yeah, including writing and doing the work and writing through the songs and you know, good doing, you know, a bunch of rewrites and a bunch of retakes and getting it done. And I've definitely known some professionals though that didn't act professional. I remember once, like, so I love Victoria Williams, but we were on tour. We were playing at the Iota Club in Arlington, Virginia. I don't even know if it's still there anymore, but it was very rainy in this show. And the water had started getting in through the windows and making its way onto the stage. And I looked down before this one song, and the, there was a power strip that was just in water. And I looked at Victoria, and I said something to her, like, you know, I was like, hey, I don't know if we, you know, I'm like, check that out over there, you know. And you know what she said to me? She goes, well, if this is your last song, you might as well make it a good one. <laughs> and... We actually did play and everything worked out fine. Obviously, I'm still alive. I remember that, man. Yeah. This was crazy. uh, We were out there to buy the house. I was on a little house hunting tour and we were at the uh, Joshua Tree in Yucca Valley. There was a little coffee shop called, uh, I'm blanking on the name. It was right on the corner of Highway 62. I know what you mean. It has the mural on it. It's always painted. Yeah. It's the right there at Pioneer Town Road when you go up to Pioneer Town. And I'm my little coffee mom. And then there's these, Ladies, Coyote um, Corner? No. Something. But we'll think of it. Hope maybe. But if Vicki Williams was playing, she had that her little voice and she was just doing these songs. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm supposed to be out here. This is amazing. So we're way over time. You've been so generous as always, Josh. A couple rapid fire questions and we'll let you have your evening back. But if a little fun question is um, if you could have any band or artist or musician play anywhere in the world magically it could be in the past future or present who would it be and where come on man give me the beatles yes give me the beatles in the old cavern club perfect love that i just uh, last last year i got to take my dad to see paul mccartney at the uh, sofi stadium oh awesome i got to meet him at the bathroom of the tonight show that's a funny story too i mean i would love to hear the meters i'd love to hear the meters in a little club in New Orleans, that would be a great night for me. If I could go back and forth and like some magic door between the Beatles and the meters. Oh my goodness. That'd be incredible. Or watching Etta James at a club. Oh my God. That would drive me crazy. Etta James. I love her so much. Yeah. Because I've had with all this AI stuff as the show continues to evolve is to give guest gifts of like generating some AI where the artist is playing at that venue and they can go back and watch it. So that's so cool. Yeah. 
how can our audience be helpful to you? I think obvious one is for them to, if they're interested in getting better at music is signing up to the Echo Guild, I would think, right? Yeah, I would say visit the Echo Guild and there's a little contact page too. If you're, even if you're not into music, you know, send me a note. Let me know how you guys are doing. I love people. I love stories. And I think that ultimately, you know, human connection is one of the most important and fulfilling things. At the start of the pandemic, I trained, I became a crisis counselor is something I started to do right around March, you know, and that has been really uh, through the crisis text line. That's been really intense, but it awakened something inside me that had been dormant for so long. It's just like this love of people and stories and how we can all just help and support each other in strange ways that might not seem like very much, but they can make a huge difference. So if anybody does want to say what up, they can always do that. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. And, uh, amazing story what are some of the channels online is it twitter and instagram what's up? i'm on instagram at the echo guild yeah you can find me and i don't know if your audience is familiar with the red hand files by nick cave are you i definitely know of nick cave but i haven't okay well this is your homework gertie d is to go look up the red hand files for a red hand file maybe and it's an incredible oracle and collection of wisdom that speaks to the human condition and how we're all connected through a shared, you know, existence here in this freaking universe on this little rock. It's a really beautiful read, The Red Hand File. Every week it comes out. Awesome. I love that. For the audience, we'll link to The Red Hand File in the show notes. And this is another reason why we love learning out loud from all these awesome guests. And Josh, you're a super mensch. You've been a friend and a mentor. And I thank you. I'm so excited to dig in for my personal music journey with the Echo Guild and get my ear training on so that when I take some more lessons with uh, Aaron Embry and maybe get my steel game on, do some privates with you in the future, I'll be in tip-top shape. So thank you so much as always for just being such a superhuman, my friend. I love you, buddy. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks again to Joshua Grange for being our guest. I'm so excited to learn from his content at the Echo Guild so that I can get better and hopefully not embarrass myself too much when I get to play with him next. I'm at Curdy D on Twitter and Instagram, also Kurt Derdix on LinkedIn. And until next time, Curdy D loves you. Thanks for listening. To review the show notes for this episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, and any links mentioned, visit curdyd.com. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified when new episodes go live. Stay tuned for more unique perspectives shaping the world on The Curdy D Show.